The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You are listening to Dustin Gold. That is me, folks. I hope everyone is doing great. I had to take yesterday off. I'll just tell you, there's a big issue going on. It's been happening over the last couple of months. And thank God you folks have been reaching out to me keeping me abreast of the situation from the uh, community of listeners out there. So what's happening on Apple Podcasts, which is the most popular podcast player, and I've experienced it myself because that's where I listen to podcasts if I'm in the car. Uh, What's happening is someone goes to play an episode on a particular channel. Let's just say it's the dust and gold standard. Now, normally what happens is Apple Podcasts will play the podcast in order for you. So you can just turn it on when you're hanging out in the house or you're in the shower in the car and it'll just run through all the episodes and you'll get caught up on everything that you missed. And now what's happening is it's not playing in order or it's going in reverse or I'll be listening, for instance, to Mike Moore's show. And the next thing you know, I'm listening to my show or I'm listening to Legal Man uh, and The Quash, some other show I listen to. It just bounces over to some other show and I'll be in the shower. I'm listening to myself, let's say, because sometimes I'll listen to an episode I recorded a month ago. If I'm going to talk about uh, that same topic in an upcoming show, I try to remind myself what I was talking about. So I'll be listening. And the next thing you know, I'm like, wait, why am I listening to Mike Moore? Why am I repeating myself? Because it's repeating the same episode. So what happened over the last uh, month or so I started to notice the uh, listeners dropping on this show, and I also knew through the analytics that about 72 73% of folks were listening on Apple Podcasts. I've seen that number drop down to 60%. So a lot of you have reached out and told me this is going on. At the same time, I've got folks in my personal life who I've turned on to the show who said, you know, you're breaking up these shows into segments. I'll be listening. And then it drops off that segment and goes somewhere else. And I've got to figure it out on the player. Uh, So I know it's a major problem. So yesterday was an emergency. I had to take off to try to figure out what's going on. So I start going through all these Apple podcast blogs. And apparently people have been complaining about this for quite some time. And Apple isn't responding. They haven't fixed it. Now, you'll find some blog posts over there if you're searching on Google or whatever search engine you use. I'm sure folks has run into this. And you'll see that uh, people have put out these life hacks and they're like, well, here's what you have to do. You got to go into the settings and you got to turn this on and continuous play and then Apple with the new iPhone operating system and the new uh, 13 and then the 14 and then this happens and then you got to build your own uh, radio station inside of there. It's just becoming so complicated. So I don't know what's happening, folks. I don't know if Apple... 
you know, being part of the technocracy is intentionally trying to crumble one of the past technologies of the third industrial era as they move us into the fourth industrial era. Who knows? The solution may be that you put in the EEG brain reading earphones. So honestly, I found articles about that. That's the technology we covered in episodes 139 and 140. They're actually talking about the possibility of future Apple EarPods having EEG brain scanner readers in so it can sense your emotion and play you songs and podcasts automatically based on the choice of the artificial intelligence based on how you're actually feeling. So who knows? Maybe that's the direction they're going to take this in so they're intentionally trying to collapse this. I don't believe it's just some computer glitch that Apple isn't fixing because if just on my show which is a small show drops from 30 uh, 73% listenership down to 60 that means apple is losing customers and they wouldn't be doing that uh unless this was some kind of an intentional scam or scheme because these bug fixes would take their programmers about 3 minutes to uh fix all right it's it's not that it can't be fixed so i don't know what's happening the other thing i i've mentioned it in the past so if you notice on mike moore's thomas Payne podcast as as you probably have over the last year what he does is if he's recording a two or three hour podcast he breaks those up into four to six 30 minute segments and so when i uh started working with the Thomas Paine uh, crew over there, they showed me how to do this. They said to do it. It helps for a couple of reasons. One, it speeds up the load time of the podcast. The other thing is it allows us to put more ads into the show so we can make ad revenue and put food on the table. Uh, it was a little trick they were using over there. And it, and it does greatly increase ad revenue. So say, for instance, I'm, I usually do two-hour shows. Uh, just with my show, I think three hours is too much because I pack in so much information. I'll have your guys' heads exploding. You'll have to use duct tape to hold them together. Uh, so what I do is I take the two-hour show, I break it into four segments, and I label them. Like episode 140, part one, part two, part three, part four. And when Apple is working, it just automatically plays through those so you don't even notice that it's broken into segments and we're able to make some additional ad revenue and actually put food on the table. Well, if Apple's player continues to not play those in order, I have to change gears. And if I put out the shows as one whole clip, my income gets lowered by 75%. I'm just being totally honest and transparent with you. I've said before, if podcasters are being honest, there's only a few ways to make money if you're truly independent. One is ad revenue on the public free side. That's the ads that you hear play between my planned commercial breaks. Sometimes they play, sometimes they don't. It all just depends on the ad server that we're a part of. All right, the other way is sponsorships. You hear Mike Moore doing some of those where he'll read an ad for a company. Um, some of those I eventually am going to get into if I find companies, mom and pop companies I want to work with, but I don't want to read ads for my pillow and stuff like that. I just It doesn't fit my brand. Uh, I don't want to be hawking garbage to people and have you guys get mad at me for selling you stuff. Like, if I'm going to use my voice, my name, my brand, then it has to be products I truly like and I use. That's just how I am, the way I am. I'm not going to read uh, ads for banks and banking apps and all this nonsense. This is not going to happen. Uh, I'd rather be 
uh, helping people like Wide Awake Jim and other people that are guests on the show sell their products, stuff I believe in, stuff I'm investing in, stuff I'm using. So in the future, that's where I'll go with this. The third way is subscriptions. So right now, obviously, you can get the ad-free video version of this podcast over at pain.tv slash gold. So we we make money on subscriptions. I have a deal with Mike, just total transparency. I get 50% uh, when you sign up over there, and you're getting the ad-free video version of my podcast and the Thomas Paine podcast and access to the Facebook-like mobile application and website where you can join the community of folks that came from Mike's show over there, the Paniacs, or my show, the Gold pillars and be able to learn and teach and start groups and communicate and argue do whatever you want over there it runs like uh, facebook uh, but it's completely independent and controlled by mike moore it's not built on top of facebook or any other big tech company platform so that's the third way to make money the fourth is merchandise uh and, and i come from graphic design i could make all kinds of t-shirts and everything else i just haven't put the time in to do it yet uh because there's a certain way i like my stores to work i built them for other podcasters i I just don't have the time and to be honest it's it's like not that profitable so to put in all the effort to make the designs and get all the different shirts up and then have to deal with it when the company doesn't ship them on time and you guys are complaining i just don't want that headache right now And then the fifth way is if you get big enough, you can go out and speak in public or do a live podcast show at a theater or something like that, which eventually I'd like to get there because I do want to preach the message that we are building here, living one foot in and one foot out of the matrix, understanding the history, the present, and the future of the matrix prison planet system. Uh, But I'm not there yet, and we're not ready for that yet. So the ad revenue is a big one on the public free side and if that gets cut by 75 percent as you know mike moore went through some headaches as well he lost a lot of revenue they just make it very difficult to fight the war against the technocrats on the technocrats battlefield obviously uh, they set up the roadblocks and the speed bumps and the constantina wire and everything else i mean they're putting up the barbed wire on the street so what are you going to do it is what it is so i had to take yesterday off and try to really go through this and figure out a game plan a business model moving forward how i'm going to make this work can i afford to go four or five months with putting the show out as entire uh, episodes instead of broken into segments while i try to build up a larger audience doing that at the same time before this headache uh, really became a major problem i was in the process of building a landing page for this show that has links to be able to donate and subscribe to pain tv and um, things of that nature and be able to find the podcast so it's got links to all the places where the podcasts are so we're trying to get that up because then i can release my shows on youtube rumble and BitChute, but i want to be able to plug that landing page so that new folks can find us a lot easier and then moving forward i know there's been an issue over at pain.tv slash gold where some folks were saying that when you watch the ad-free video version of this podcast or the mike moore thomas Payne podcast you cannot um like start a video and then stop it and return to it in the same place now I've built some pretty extensive websites for folks over the years. That's not an easy thing to do. And when you're using video services like Vimeo or Brightcove or others, they don't have that kind of functionality built in. It has to be tied into the website and your user account and then work through an API. I'm not going to get into all the details. So 
what we're working on here, and I had to put that on hold to deal with the Apple problem, is another site where we'll have our videos, the ad-free version and some premium content that we want to start doing, where you will be able to start the video, you know, shut the website, come back, and it's open back up in the same place. But it involves a lot of uh, technical ability and different software, and it costs money and everything. So I've just been building that slowly. And then once it's done, I'm going to share the tech with Mike Moore and see if he wants to transition over to that at pain.tv slash gold. you got to remember, folks, we're all small. We're all truly independent. We don't have a big backer. Uh, in the other part of podcasting and in the influencer space, what a lot of people don't realize is some of these other folks out there uh, that build these big footprints really quickly. They have these websites that you look at, and they would have cost fifty, dollars $100,000 for somebody to build. You say, where are they getting all that money off an audience of one or 2,000 people? Well, some of these guys are bad. All right, they get money uh, if they're on the conservative side from TPUSA. Some of these folks get money from Peter Thiel. Some of these folks get money from Steve Bannon. So they're actually controlled by a higher power. And so they're not relying on making money on ad revenue. Uh, sponsorships are really just gravy. So you have to put that um, you know, in the context. You say, well, these guys do it this way. Why aren't you doing it that way? Well, we're actually truly independent and we don't have to worry about Steve Bannon calling us and saying, you're not allowed to talk about Peter Thiel or you're not allowed to talk about how uh, the Trump administration gave a $100 million contract to Peter Thiel's Palantir to spy on people through the IRS. See, if you're owned... That's what happens. I mean, you guys are seeing a little of this in the WWE circus, the war between Daily Caller and uh, Steven Crowder, right? And Crowder's saying, well, you guys bend over to the technocratic platforms and you're going to force me to self-censor. Some of that is for show, but the message uh, that he's spreading is actually real. They may be tainting it through this circus, which is the purpose, but in reality, that is what happens, all right? So when you go and you start putting your stuff out, I, as I am, on YouTube, Rumble, and BitChute, you then have to comply with all of their rules. I mean, there are certain things I know I can't say on this show, so I do have to self-censor. Otherwise, I will completely disappear or they'll pull their ad revenue. Now, in some cases, I may self-censor. I figure out another way to tell you guys the message, but I would never plant fake information or intentionally or agree to protect somebody or not talk about a certain topic. And that's what happens when you go work for one of these networks where you're going to sell your soul to Bannon or Peter Thiel or one of these gatekeepers. And so that's what you're experiencing, folks. So when all of a sudden this Apple problem comes along, it hurts us greatly. And then you have to take the time to try to figure out a new business model, how you're going to resolve it at the same time you still have to produce content because if you just shut the show down for two weeks while you go work on a website you go build all this new marketing and you come up with a new model all of a sudden you come back and nobody's listening to you because there's really no more loyalty in this space people will just move on to the next podcast so i just wanted to make you guys aware of this i know of the problem i've been communicating back and forth with several of you i thank you very much for letting me know I'm on top of it. We're working on it between everything else. So I will keep you updated here, folks. When I get back, 
We're going to finish up industrial society and its future. Uh, As I promised you, I hope you had a chance to listen to episodes 139 and 140 on the EEG technology that was discussed at the World Economic Forum. Very important because they're about to roll this stuff out in the workplace. I found a lot more information on that, and in coming shows, we'll be talking about that. Right now, I won't be talking about anything because I'm going to take one of those short commercial breaks I just told you about. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, coming up, uh, we're going to be doing a short expose on the author of this paper, Industrial Society and Its Future. Uh, We're going to get into what's called the cycle of civilizations. I am going to do uh, some further shows on smart polls. Many of you are emailing me like crazy over at me at DustinGoldShow.com, letting me know that um, smart polls have been going up all around your cities and your suburbs, and they're just popping up. People are taking notice of this. So I appreciate you uh, letting me know. Send me pictures. And I'll see if I can start um, saving those, and I'll share them on the show. Wide Awake Jim has sent me, like, an entire portfolio of photos he's taking of all the new cell towers and all the new uh, smart poles going up, all the new smart street lights, smart lights going down the highways, cameras everywhere. So just start documenting that, video or photo, and sending it to me at me at com. I'll see on the landing page if I can create something where you can upload information to me. Uh, So this way we can share it easier on the show. Uh, We're also going to be getting into the Anthony Sutton book on the Federal Reserve. We're going to review that. It was recommended by Wide Awake Jim. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up, folks. And we're going to go further into the EEG helmets because I found a lot more information for you as that is a technology being rolled out now and you have to be armed with the information to uh, warn your friends and family and kids and grandkids. I mean, very important that you warn them of this. Uh, If people fall into this trap, folks, I just, I don't know how you get out of it. Uh, Also, if you have an opportunity, I put it up as a bonus episode. It's not labeled as an episode number. And I went on Real World Witness with Chrissy Piccolo, a friend of mine. Uh, You know, her audience is more... um, comes out of MAGA. Some of them still think Trump is going to save them. Uh, And so I went on there and uh, I did some Trump impression stuff. It was fun. And then I spit some knowledge. We talked about EEGs. I talked about this idea of exiting the system. I talked about technocracy. I talked about this new kind of pyramid I'm working on to show how the system works and how they're able to control the 99%. You know, all of us being in the 99% and you have that top 1% that I look at broken into basically the 0.1% and then the 0.99%, right? And so I talked a little bit about that. I'll be shaping up some of these ideas over the coming episodes here at the Dustin 
gold standard. All right, folks, let's uh, jump back in here to industrial society and its future. And if you remember, it's been a couple of episodes. We took a break for episode 139. So the last one was 138. Uh, And we're here over at paragraph 220. Just remember, this paper was written in 1995, 28 years ago. And the author is talking about how he does not believe this movement to fight back against the industrial technological system. That would be technocracy. He does not believe that an organized effort to fight the system and to drive people away from government and technology back to wild nature, which he explains is the only counter ideal to the ever-growing technological prison planet system. Uh, that would be wild nature to drive people back to that. He does not believe you can partner with leftists because, as he explains, that leftists just continue to uh, eat everything alive and it's all about power for them. All right, so we're going to jump into paragraph 220. That's uh, right where we left off. I'm not going to go backwards. Um, 220. Suppose you asked leftists to make a list of all the things that were wrong with society. And then suppose you insisted uh, every social change that they demanded, or sorry, instituted every social change that they demanded. It is safe to say that within a couple of years, the majority of leftists would find something new to complain about some new social evil to correct because once again the leftist is motivated less by distress at society's ills than by the need to satisfy his drive for power by imposing his solutions to society so what the author is talking about there is this leftist need to impose their will on everyone else Uh, because of their lack of the power process they want to impose their will on everyone else so to try to partner with them he says would lead you down this path uh, that would bring you right back into the current system and we'll cover this in the Saul Linsky series that I started around Christmas and I'm going to get back to because I'm going to show you how this idea of uh, progressivism works in the community organizing sphere. And I'll show you how Alinsky is the one who sort of set this ideology into motion. Uh, I started that, but then one of the members of pain.tv slash gold reached out. He's someone I've spoken to on the phone for several hours. And he said that he's building a presentation he wants to share on this show. And it includes Alinsky. So he wanted me to lay off Alinsky until he came on. So I, I agreed to do that. Uh, I don't know what's happening, if he's ready or he's not ready. Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine Podcast on Fridays, talks to him a lot. She's kind of his mentor. You know who you are out there. It's uh, J-Mal from Twitter. So uh, if he comes on soon, um, I'll lay off. If not, I've got to get back to Alinsky because it fits into this puzzle, and I need to show you guys these old documentaries featuring Alinsky. And it'll help you recognize uh, what we're up against, and it'll make more sense with what the author's talking about here. All right, paragraph 221. Because of the restrictions placed on their thoughts and behavior by their high level of socialization, many leftists of the over-socialized type cannot pursue power in the ways that other people do. For them, the drive for power has only one morally acceptable outlet, and that is in the struggle to impose their morality on everyone. 
Now, just uh, you could replace leftist with Ken and Karen if you want, because let's bring this into the modern day. Again, this was written in 95. And you look at the Kens and the Karens who automatically adopted the social engineering of the state. You know, they adopted the narrative spread by Fauci and others, and they ran around in the grocery stores. They were the ones yelling at you to pull up your mask, put on your mask. Oh, your mask is too low on your nose. It's got to be at the middle of the bridge of your nose. Don't bring it down over your chin. It can't be on your chin. It's got to be on your face. Then you pull, oh, it's too high on your face. It's too high because the airflow. You know, those are the people that he's talking about. They're trying to impose their morality on everyone. So all of a sudden, if you don't have on the mask or they find out you didn't get the jab then you want to kill grandma you're a murderer you don't care about anyone else they love everyone except they don't love you because you don't want to wear the mask and you don't want to follow the rules so if you don't follow the rules of the government and the state and the technocrats then you're an evil person and then they hate you even though they love everybody and they're trying to save grandma but if grandma doesn't want to wear a mask then grandma needs to die because she's a horrible terrible person and you're seeing a lot of this going on now this orchestrated uh, apology to even people like uh, Joe Rogan trying to push this, that all of a sudden we, the people who were not vaxxed, have to bend over and kiss the ring of the people that are because we have to love them. We have to bow down to them. They're just driving you right back into this pathway of bending over to the Kens and Karens and these brown shirts who were trying to force you to uh, be jabbed. But see, th- this is exactly what the author is talking about. He breaks this down from a psychological standpoint. Let's continue. Paragraph 222. Leftists, especially those of the over-socialized type, are true believers in the sense of Eric Hoffer's book, The True Believer. But not all true believers are of the same psychological type as leftists. Presumably, a true believing Nazi, for instance, is very different psychologically from a true believing leftist. Because of their capacity for single-minded devotion to a cause, true believers are a useful, perhaps a necessary ingredient of any revolutionary movement. This presents a problem with which we must admit we don't know how to deal. We aren't sure how to harness the energies of the true believer to a revolution against technology. At present, all we can say is that no true believer will make a safe recruit to the revolution unless his commitment is exclusively to the destruction of technology. If he is committed also to another ideal, he may want to use technology as a tool for pursuing that other ideal. See paragraphs 200 and 201. So what the author is explaining here, folks, again... You and I aren't running around, you know, building some uh, revolutionary army that's going to run around with pitchforks and torches and muskets. This is an ideological battle. It's an ideological war to try to wake people up to the dangers of the technocratic system. Show them that you cannot separate the good and the bad of technology because technology is designed It is created for the purpose of ending human freedom and humanity altogether. I brought up some examples in the interview with Chrissy Piccolo that you can check out. I talked a little bit about this. So it's very important here to uh, understand what he's saying. 
that if you're going to try to actively recruit, let's say, true believers, they have to be true believers of your idea of reducing the footprint of the technocratic system. But if they're going to start to talk about utilizing technology to bring their beliefs to fruition, you know, then you end up back in the same place Uh, again this is a careful balance we're starting to think this out i'll talk more about it in other shows because i'm not advocating that you just pack your suitcase and go live in the woods under a garbage bag Uh, i just don't think that's realistic most people don't want that Uh, if people do they can just do it you don't have to force everyone else to do it but the idea of starting to reduce the footprint of technology i think is something that most people can grasp onto especially when you deal with these situations like the Apple podcast player not working. Or, for instance, my mother-in-law just heard from a few of her friends in Poland whose bank accounts were hacked and money was stolen. That's happening all over the place. Uh, Myself, personally, I believe it's orchestrated collapse of the third industrial era to push us into central bank digital currencies, to push us into EEG headsets, etc., etc. So when people start to see their accounts being hacked, the solution is let's work backwards and get away from the banks. It's not let's go forwards and adopt more technology. Paragraph 223, some readers may say, quote, this stuff about leftism is a lot of crap. I know John and Jane who are leftist types, and they don't have all these totalitarian tendencies, end quote. It's quite true that many leftists, possibly even a numerical majority, are decent people who sincerely believe in tolerating others' values up to a point and wouldn't want to use high-handed methods to reach their social goals. Our remarks about leftism are not meant to apply to every individual leftist, but to describe the general character of leftism as a movement. And the general character of a movement is not necessarily determined by the numerical proportions of the various kinds of people involved in the movement. And you've seen the author do this throughout the piece. He's doing what I do, really. He's trying not to offend so many folks that he drives everyone away from the movement. So he's trying to clarify there that he doesn't mean all leftists. Okay, he's saying he's talking about the uh, ideology sort of in generalities, trying to explain to someone like you who may want to go try to recruit uh, friends of yours to join in this movement. The movement is just what I say the beginning, starting to take the smart products out of your house, take the Amazon ring cameras down, start to maybe try to take technology out of your personal life, only use it for your business life. That is the beginning of this. Start to remove video games from your house, wean your kids and grandkids off them. If you play, try to start to wean yourself off of them because it doesn't end with the video game the next thing is the ar vr headset eeg in your head brain scanning you they tell you they're going to make this game interact with you whenever you're feeling different emotions the brain scanner can read your brain and then it'll adapt the game and you'll be inside a choose your own adventure video game that's the beginning of the metaverse matrix system like the total digital side of the slave planet so just think about this stuff i'll be right back ladies and gentlemen this is dust and gold with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. Right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. And I just realized, folks, starting tomorrow, what I'm going to do as I come back from each break, I, I, let me see if I can re- remember this. Uh, I am going to tag each segment with my voice. So I'm going to say, you're listening to episode 141, segment four. Like, I'm going to start doing that. And then that way, you'll be able to figure out where the heck you are as you're navigating uh, the new uh, Wild West of Apple Podcast. And until we get this sorted out, folks, and trust me, I'm working on it because I don't want to keep losing listeners and then having to keep rebuilding. All right, let's go to paragraph 224. This is really, really important. It says, the people who rise to positions of power in leftist movements tend to be leftists of the most power-hungry type, because power-hungry people are those who strive hardest to get into positions of power. And let me just say there, I've brought this up on the show many, 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 many times. It's not just leftists, folks. Anyone in positions of power alive today are people who wanted to be in positions of power this is the issue over the years even when you bought into the republican democrat left right conservative liberal wwe wrestling paradigm circus you would say to yourself oh my neighbor's a great guy why isn't he mayor or so and so is a great person why isn't he the president or you know dustin's great or mike moore is great why don't they run for congress because we are individualists, folks. You are an individualist. We agree that everyone should have freedom and liberty and the ability to make their own choices. They should have human autonomy. Well, I don't want to be in a position of power. I don't do this show because I want power over you. I do this show because I'm trying to share the information that I have gathered over the years with you and hopefully help you break free of the system, break free of the power structure. So generally, people who are individualists, who want freedom and liberty for all, who don't really care what their neighbor's doing as long as they aren't harming anyone else, don't want power. So the people in power are always the one who want power. That's why for many years now, I've been post-political. I don't like people who run for office I because they made a choice that they want to have power over me or they want power or control or they want to be a minion of the state in order to enrich themselves or they have some big billionaire backer who controls them as a puppet, but they're going to be given their little fiefdom, their little kingdom where they can rule over a certain congressional district or a county or a town uh, or a state or whatever it may be. And I know that anyone who has risen to any level in which they are allowed to be on TV all the time and they're allowed to stand on the floor of the legislature, you know, that these people are bought and paid for. They are power hungry and that's why they're there because the system wouldn't allow them to be there. I mean, if you think this whole election rigging is something new that just happened in 2020, you're fooling yourself. This has been going on since the beginning uh, of when government was created. Uh, Only the people who want power end up in positions of power and then they are installed by people who actually are more powerful than them who sit above them so that's why i don't 
generally get involved with that stuff anymore. So it's not just folks on the left. It's anyone who is in power is someone who wants power. They rise to the top. Even the crazy lady that runs your homeowners association who walks around the neighborhood saying, your flowers are planted too close to the curb. They have to be three inches from the curb and six inches apart. And then you can't have the red flowers. You got to have the yellow flowers. Those are people that want power. So they end up in a position of power. The guy who wants to be left alone, he doesn't run for the president of the homeowners association because he doesn't want power. He doesn't want to walk around and tell people what to do. So if people who did not want power were encouraged to run and they had the backing of everyone else who did not want power, then you would get them into office with a promise that they would abstain from every vote. They wouldn't even get involved. They wouldn't even show up at Congress. They would just sit at home. And if you had a lot of those people running, then government wouldn't grow. And I know people get tricked into this idea of saying, well, this is the worst Congress ever. They aren't doing anything for us. Government can't do anything for you. Government just passes laws in order to stop you from doing things, to constrain your freedom and liberty. So the best thing would be if government actually undid all the laws, and the next best thing would be if they didn't pass anything else ever. All right, let's continue. Once the power-hungry types have captured control of the movement, he's talking about a leftist movement, there are many leftists of a gentler breed who inwardly disapprove of many of the actions of the leaders but cannot bring themselves to oppose them. And again, this is not just leftists. Well, we see this across uh, the political spectrum now. This is everywhere, right? The people who are less powerful, you know, of a gentler breed, as the author says, don't stand up to the people who are in power even when you elect someone if you fell for going out and electing someone and the next thing you know you realize they're a power hungry you know butthead what do you do Uh, you generally do nothing about it maybe you complain on twitter or facebook or something but that's not doing anything to remove that person from power that's too much work goes on to say they need their faith in the movement and because they cannot give up the faith they go along with the leaders. Well, folks, I hate to tell you this, but if you came from the right, I could say that this occurred under the Trump presidency. Now, that was the last election 2016 that I voted in, and I hadn't voted for probably 10 years prior to that. And so I you know, went out, I supported Trump, I went on a lot of podcasts, talked about Trump, I dressed up as Trump, I used to do my Trump impression, went on all these pro-MAGA sites and had a pretty big Twitter account. Uh, in 2016 that I was using to help promote him. Well, about six months into a year into the Trump presidency, I realized he screwed us over the border wall, which was my main issue. So I started going on podcasts and talking out against him. While the majority of hosts said, I can't do that because either one, he's 4D chessing everybody. Don't worry, this guy's going to save us. They couldn't leave the movement or two. They knew, but they didn't want to lose their listeners and lose their revenue. So they made a choice to just stay quiet about it and not hold Trump's feet to the fire. So it's not just on the left, it's everywhere now. And I think that's partially because moving from 1995, when this is written, to today, 28 years later, 
there are uh, the lines are all blurred no one fits into left and right or any of that anymore and i think most people cannot even define that for you at this point goes on to say true some leftists do have the guts to oppose the totalitarian tendencies that emerge but they generally lose because the power hungry types are better organized are more ruthless and machiavellian and have taken care to build themselves a strong power base now we could take this right up to the international level. Just look at the marketing arm of the technocracy, the World Economic Forum. Now, there's a lot of people around the globe, like me and you, who don't like what they're doing. And we have the guts uh, the guts to oppose these totalitarian tendencies, obviously, that we see coming out of these organizations daily. But we're losing. Why? Because those guys are more ruthless. They're more Machiavelli and they have money and they're better organized and they are part of the power structure so whether the majority agrees or disagrees they just march forward as if the majority agrees with it i was just actually having a conversation back and forth with legal man of the quash on twitter about this uh the sad part is the vast majority of people out there i think want to be slaves they can't define freedom or liberty and if they could define them they would actually come out and say they don't want that they don't truly want freedom and liberty they want to be bossed around they want to be sheep they like being told what to do Right, And then you have these guys at the top when they control the whole structure and they don't have to worry about the majority rising up against them. They just march forward and they will keep telling you that the sky is neon pink with green polka dots. And even if you don't believe it, they will just keep saying it's true. Part of that is gaslighting to make you feel crazy. The other part is they'll keep marching forward at the pace that they want to march forward at until there's actually an uprising against the system. Either a bloody uprising or people just start throwing the technology out at the curb on bull trash pickup day uh they're just not going to change course goes on to say paragraph 225 these phenomena apparent uh, appeared clearly in russia and other countries that were taken over by leftists similarly before the breakdown of communism in the ussr leftist types in the west world seldom criticize that country if prodded they would admit that the ussr did many wrong things but then they would try to find excuses for the communists and begin talking about the faults of the west they always opposed western military resistance to communist aggression leftist types all over the world vigorously protested the u.s military action in vietnam but when the ussr invaded afghanistan they did nothing not that they approved of the Soviet actions, but because of their leftist faith, they just couldn't bear to put themselves in opposition to communism. Today, in those of our universities where political correctness has become dominant, there are probably many leftist types who privately disapprove of the suppression of academic freedom, but they go along with it anyway. Now, I'm not going to break all this down and get into Vietnam and Afghanistan and Russia and all these you know wars years ago because the author here is just talking about them based on the official narrative and we can get into the united states role and what fighting communism really was and were we fighting it were we i mean we can get into all that on uh, different shows but what the author is basically saying is even if uh 
I mean, you've seen this come from leftists, right? They will defend communism because they'll say, well, in this particular case, they did it wrong. Or in this particular case, they did it wrong. We could do it right. Just like Bernie Sanders will say, right? Well, socialism has never been done right. That's what he'll say. And that's why all these uh, people died. All right. So you see that from leftists uh, time and time again. The other thing here that the author is pointing out is even if they know, the leftists know, that some uh, country or some ideology they find themselves uh, being uh, sympathetic to does something wrong, they will find excuses to defend it. And, and again, this isn't just leftists, all right? I'm a very nuanced guy. If Donald Trump runs on, let's say, no war, all of a sudden the conservatives are against war when they were for war for quite a long time. It's all very confusing, folks. Uh, but if Trump runs against war, and the next thing you know, he goes into war, the conservatives will start cheering it on because it's Trump. Or the conservatives are against state of emergency until Trump declares one during COVID land, the high school theater production. They have to defend him because he is the captain of the team. And so that's what the author is saying here. Generally, the sheep will follow their... Uh, the sheep will follow their shepherd. All right, paragraph 226, thus the fact that many individual leftists are personally mild and fairly tolerant people by no means prevents leftism as a whole from having a totalitarian tendency, okay? So even though there's people within the movement that are not radicals, uh, the whole movement can be radical because the majority, again, of the sheep will just follow the shepherd and and we can look at this now from supposed right-wing movements and left-wing movements that's why to me there is no right there is no left everything is orchestrated the stage everyone is being manipulated all the time there's so many psychological operations going on there's government puppet players there's uh political puppet players you have you know propagandists influencers uh, out there in social media that drive the narratives and so people just follow along and they follow along and follow along i mean if you want to have your head spin just go on twitter and poke around and you'll see all the side fighting and stories and one group of people saying everything is a lie the other group is saying that's not true then they're saying uh, you know covid you know the vaccine isn't working but it's an accident and some saying they're trying to kill people you just have to use your gut folks use your gut when you're going through this use common sense use critical thinking uh, in my stance uh, life humanity nature it's all very magical and these guys are trying to spin a web of lies around us as they entrap us in this technological spider web all right ladies and gentlemen i'm going to exit the technological spider web for just a moment i'll be right back this is dust to gold with the dust to gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. All right, folks, we're nearing the end of industrial society and its future. Let's continue here with paragraph 227. 
Our discussion of leftism has a serious weakness. It is still far from clear what we mean by the word, quote, leftist, end quote. There doesn't seem to be much we can do about this. Today, again, this is in 1995, leftism is fragmented into a whole spectrum of activist movements, yet not all activist movements are leftists, and some activist movements, for example, radical environmentalism, seem to include both personalities of the leftist type and personalities of thoroughly unleftist types who ought to know better than to collaborate with leftists. Varieties of leftists fade out gradually into varieties of non-leftists, and we ourselves would often be hard-pressed to decide whether a given individual is or is not a leftist. I'll comment on this in a second. To the extent that it is defined at all, our conception of leftism is defined by the discussion of it that we have given in this article, and we can only advise the reader to use his own judgment in deciding who is a leftist. Now, remember, folks, uh, in 1995, the Internet was just hitting households, a very small percentage. We're talking a couple percent. And that's back when you would get an AOL dial-up for you young folks out there you literally would take the phone cord in your house and you'd plug it into your computer tower and you'd put a CD in from AOL and the CD would boot up and it would go and it would connect up to the internet. And then you would buy these, basically these phone cards at a grocery store or gas station like you would do now for, let's say a calling card or a gift card type of thing or a prepaid credit card. And it would give you X amount of minutes, like you might buy two hours, you know, 120 minutes of internet, and you plug in that code and then be able to go on the internet for two hours, all right? So this is back in 95. Internet was at its very, very early stages. Companies didn't have websites. Uh, Social media didn't exist. The first big one really I think towards the tail end of when I was in high school, might have been MySpace, and it was really a lot of bands and kids were using it and playing around on it, but the internet was not what it is today. Well, you would also see a lot of activist movements right out in the public. So what you witnessed over the last 10 years was, say, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, I would say um, the MAGA rallies kind of represented sort of uh, old world activist type movement. Uh, you would see a lot of that stuff. You would see a lot more pro-life protesters. You would see pro-choice protesters. They would actually drive the people out into the streets. And this was done through local organizing and uh, mail campaigns, you know, that came in your mailbox and organized through the local Republican groups and conservative groups and Democrat groups. Well, now you see endless amounts of activist groups that just run on the internet, right? So you can go on Twitter and just, you know, spend three hours and you'll find tons of movements. They're all based on hashtags now. Some of the movements last 24 hours. Some of them last a couple of weeks. Like Some of them last a few years, like a QAnon type thing. But they're these activist movements and they just drive people in and out of movements and they move them around inside of cyberspace into different echo chambers. You're inside of one, you think it's a huge movement, but go walk around in the grocery store and interview people and you'll find out no one knows what the hell you're talking about. Some of the movements may not even be real movements. 
moments you could just be talking to a room full of bots on a chit, uh, Twitter feed and you think that's real, but it's not real. It's just a personalized echo chamber, choose your own adventure feedback loop they drove you into. So you have to put this into context in 95 when there were actual movements in the streets. So the author's talking about trying to figure out, you know, who's a leftist. But he's saying, use your judgment. Now, I think what you could call people more NPCs. And you'll see NPCs on the supposed left, on the supposed right, people that will just follow Trump endlessly, uh, people that will defend Trump and the vaccine. Like, well, he had no choice. He had to promote the vaccine because Pfizer would have been mad at him. And then he didn't have the right to fire Fauci and he did and then the same thing you'll see on the left and so now you just have NPCs and you really have Ken's and Karen's on both sides of the proverbial aisle goes on to say paragraph 228 but it will be helpful to list some criteria from uh, diagnosing leftism these criteria cannot be applied in a cut and dried manner. Some individuals may meet some of the criteria without being leftists. Some leftists may not meet any of the criteria. Again, you have to use your own judgment. And, and the reason why I think this is important, folks, it's like when you're going out there and you're trying to talk to folks in the public, like Wide Awake Jim has been doing, uh, trying to talk to independent mom and pop coffee shop uh, managers and et cetera, et cetera. Or you're trying to talk to your nephew or your cousin or your son or your daughter or your son who identifies as your daughter or your daughter who identifies as your son on Thursdays, but on Wednesdays she identifies as a chimpanzee in a panda bear suit. Whatever it may be, this is 2023. We have no, uh, we have no definitions of anything anymore. But no, you have to start to identify these folks. And if you identify them and they are so over-socialized or you could put it socially engineered into the system i i say don't waste your time all right you you would be better off continuing to educate yourself you know listening to this show or mike moore's show or reading books or actually writing down your goals or beginning to figure out how you're going to make more money or move money around to go get a homestead and exit the system than trying to wake up people that aren't ever going to really be your allies I mean, I've had conversations with smart folks, and I explained to them this system. You know, I'm talking half-hour, hour-long conversation where you're sitting around, you know, shooting the, shooting the crap. And what happens is you get to a point you realize they fully understand it, but they love it. And they say, I'm not getting rid of the video games. I'm not getting rid of the devices. I love this world. What are you talking about? I think it's great. So there's no point in banging your head against the wall. Now, I wouldn't generally consider that person to be a leftist. I consider them actually at a certain point to be a follower of technocracy. Now, they wouldn't identify themselves as that. But if they love the system then that's what they are. They love the system. That's their choice. That is them exercising their free will, their freedom, their liberty. And if that's what they want, that's what they want. You shouldn't be trying to drag them out of a system that they want to stay in. If they realize they're a slave on a free-range plantation prison, then uh, so be it. Not your problem. Uh, paragraph 229. The leftist is oriented toward large-scale collectivism. 
He emphasizes the duty of the individual to serve society and the duty of society to take care of the individual. Now, you just saw that all rehashed over COVID Land, the high school theater production. It goes on to say he has a negative attitude towards individualism. We just talked about that. He often takes a moralistic tone. He tends to be for gun control, for sex education, and other psychology enlightened educational methods for social planning for affirmative action for multiculturalism and even though we're fast forward 28 years from when this was written it all rings true today goes on to say he tends to identify with victims he tends to be against competition and against violence but he often finds excuses for those leftists who do commit violence And we see that uh, constantly. I mean, what was Antifa, folks? Fascists saying they're against fascism. Like, they couldn't even understand what they were out there uh, doing in the public. And I'm not talking about the paid organizers and probably the government agents that ran it. I'm talking about the regular folks, the college kids and stuff that get sucked into it. And you say... Well, you're acting like a fascist. They will say, well, we have to act like a fascist to fight fascist. I mean, they'll always have an excuse for it. Goes on to say he is fond of using the common catchphrases of the left, like racism, sexism, homophobia, capitalism, imperialism, neocolonialism, genocide, social change, social justice, social responsibility, right? Again, these are all the bumper sticker slogans that we still see alive and well today goes on to say maybe the best diagnostic trait of the leftist is his tendency to sympathize with the following movements feminism gay rights ethnic rights disability rights animal rights political correctness and that list can go on and on today we can add all these things that this author author never thought of like transgenderism and queerism All these other made-up isms, folks. It goes on to say, anyone who strongly sympathizes with all of these movements is almost certainly a leftist. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, and and I will tell you this. uh, This is just a a story I've got to share with you. So there is uh, this guy I went to high school with. He grew up in my town. I I came from a town of 10,000 people in Connecticut, a very small farm town. I grew up there in the uh, 80s and 90s. And so I went to high school with this kid. He was a year or two older than me, and uh, he was in my art class. Really good artist. I was a good artist. Uh, Ended up going to Art Institute of Philadelphia for college for industrial design. But And uh, coincidentally, this guy ended up going to Art Institute of Philadelphia for graphic design and animation. So, um, all of a sudden, over the last couple of years on Facebook, I noticed that he's posting about how he has uh, and suffers from mental illness. And the next thing you know, starting a a few years ago, uh, and he has a son, you know, with a woman, an actual woman. She had the kid, not him. Uh, He starts identifying as LBGTQ. Like, he didn't say that he was gay, but he said he was confused. He wasn't sure what he was. At the same time, continuing to post about his mental illness. And so no one ever asked him, how are you doing with the mental illness? They just constantly write how brave you are for coming out as whatever it was because he didn't know what he was right and so you have all these people on facebook and i i use facebook to to basically spy on folks and see what people at the street level are thinking and saying 
And so this kid's Facebook feed, he's one of those that you know from high school and a lot of people comment on his stuff. So I look in the feed in the comment section and it's all people from my high school. I know who they all are. A lot of which were like alpha males I grew up with. You know, guys was, I played sports with, friends of mine that I used to go sneak out in the woods and drink beer with, go camping with, cause trouble with. And so now, fast forward a couple of years, this guy is living life as a non-binary woman slash they, like he has different pronouns, and they change all the time because he suffers from mental illness, of which he continues to talk about openly. But he has his hair cut like a woman, he wears makeup. Some days he looks more like a man because he kind of changes back and forth, but he'll post selfie pictures of himself. And, and I have to be honest, like he's really, really ugly, like he looks like a guy who is dressed like a girl and sometimes you'd actually think it's a parody but it's not he's not like andy kaufman goofing around and just yesterday for instance he posts a selfie and he goes i am feeling so good about myself today and he was like a manly man he wasn't gay in high school and so he's like i'm feeling so good about myself i love my new haircut my new eyeliner he gets 73 this is within like a half hour 73 likes and hearts like the love on facebook all these comments and i read them and they'll be friends of mine from high school who i don't talk to anymore um i'm not one of those people that still hangs out with all my high school friends if you are more power to you i just i moved out of connecticut i don't do that but i see all these guys on there oh i'm not going to say his name so and so you are so uh, courageous you're so unbelievable. He talks about how his father disowned him now. Uh, all this stuff talks about his mental illness, and yet people cheer it on. They virtue signal to him. So when the author here is talking about all these leftists who support these various movements, this is leached over into society. That's why I just call them all NPCs, these non-player characters. They all virtue signal. They all have to be part of it now. Why can't you just ignore his post? Why are you cheering it on? Why aren't you reaching out and saying to him, hey, listen, uh, um, you say you suffer from mental illness. Did, is any of this the cause of what's going on? Do you need any help? But unfortunately now you see people just cheer it on. They'll cheer it on until the guy mutilates his genitals and starts taking hormones. I mean, he may have at this point. Uh, and then eventually kills himself as a lot of the supposed transgenders do because it's really deep-rooted in childhood trauma, mental illness, something going on in their head, body dysphoria. They go get the operation and they realize they made a mistake and the next thing you know they uh, overdose or blow their brains out but now you see it spread it crosses right and left republican and democrat lines because i see a lot of people that i know are huge maga trump supporters still that are writing on this guy's timeline when he posts this picture of himself and they i mean he, he literally looks like like a heroin addicted a toothless prostitute behind a dumpster at a mcdonald's and they're cheering him on telling him how beautiful he looks so it's sort of leached throughout society folks everyone is a leftist of 1995 today in 2023 i'll be right back this is dusty gold with the dusty gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. 
right here on pain.tv slash go. My name is Dustin Gold. And thank you for tuning into the show. Let's move on, folks. Enough with that guy, girl, or whatever it is. I was just uh, giving you an example of how even the so-called uh, MAGA alpha males are cheering this stuff on. And look, I don't really care you know, what people do. What bothers me is when you say, listen, uh, once they're an adult, if they want to mutilate their genitals and take hormones and turn themselves into some sort of a, a transhuman, it's not a trans, it's a transhuman um, monster, you know, some Barbie doll, that's okay. Well, I, I don't think it's okay. Like, I believe in people's freedom and liberty, but if the person suffers from mental illness, and I've had people in my personal life who have over the years, that would have identified as uh, someone hanging from a belt from their garage ceiling. Well, I wasn't going to hand them a belt and tell them it was okay to identify as uh, a chandelier. Yeah, you, know, you identify as a chandelier here. Let me help you string yourself up to the ceiling. Unfortunately, what's happened is the mental health system over the years has become so corrupt that instead of trying to treat the symptom, right, this is like the Rockefeller Medical Industrial Complex with disease. And instead of saying, listen, you've been, uh, you're sick because you've been drinking polluted water, you know, we just treat the symptom with big pharma drugs. It's the same thing. Instead of getting to the root cause, the childhood trauma, were they molested? Did their father beat them? What happened? We just treat the symptom. And we go, oh, you're feeling like a woman? Okay, here's a razor blade. Just chop it off. And so that, that's what disgusts me. Uh, and unfortunately, someone like me, I'm an outcast, and I couldn't even say that on Facebook. I'd be probably totally uh, thrown off there, number one. Number two, I would lose all the family and friends. I mean, I don't consider those people my friends, but I, I would lose any sort of standing inside that community. So if I speak out, what good does it do? I'll be the outcast. If I go, hey, listen, maybe we need to try to get him some help then people will say, you're terrible. You don't like the way he looks. You're transphobic. So I just don't get involved with the conversation. I abstain from the conversation. I just spy on it from the outside as I watch the uh, circus that we live in and the decay of our society and culture. Uh, all right, let's go on. Paragraph 230. The more dangerous leftists, that is, those who are most power-hungry, are often characterized by arrogance or by a dogmatic approach to ideology. However, the most dangerous leftists of all may be certain over-socialized types who avoid irritating displays of aggressiveness and refrain from advertising their leftism, but who work quietly and unobtrusively to promote their collectivist values. Quote, enlightened, end quote, psychological techniques for socializing children, dependence of the individual on the system, and so forth. Now, if you want to just try to understand this, take it from, if you're still paying attention to politics or you did the last five or six years, just take it from the standpoint of when people would say, listen, 
You know, AOC, Nancy Pelosi, these folks, at least I know what they are. They admit what they are. They're trying to destroy, in in this case, America or the Constitution. But it's the rhinos, the Republicans in name only, the rhinos in the Republican Party that are the evil ones because they're kind of the crypto leftists. They're the crypto anti-constitutionalists that are working in cahoots with the leftists. All right, so think of it that way. They're hiding in plain sight. They disguise themselves. It goes on to say right here, these crypto leftists, as we may call them, uh, approximate certain bourgeois types as far as practical action is concerned, but differ from them in psychology, ideology, and motivation. The ordinary bourgeois tries to bring people under control of the system in order to protect his way of life, or he does so simply because his attitudes are conventional. The crypto leftist tries to bring people under control of the system because he is a true believer in collectivist ideology. The crypto leftist is differentiated from the average leftist of the over-socialized type by the fact that his rebellious impulse is weaker and he is more securely socialized. He is differentiated from the ordinary well-socialized bourgeois by the fact that their is some deep lack within him that makes it necessary for him to devote himself to a cause and immerse himself in a collectivity. And maybe his well-sublimated drive for power is stronger than that of the average bourgeois. Now, it's interesting because I've met a lot of these type of folks, if you try to put them into these uh, boxes, these definitions, right? I, I know several. They, they came out of the you know, 60s leftist movement. Now, I know some old tree-hugging liberal hippies that are all about freedom, liberty, and clean food, right? But there are certain ones that came out of that movement. Maybe they adopted the hippie clothing. Uh, maybe they were wearing the... Um, you know, the scarfs on their head and the bell-bottom jeans, but they weren't really about freedom, liberty, and clean food. So as the years went on, they started to disguise themselves uh, in society to fit in with the suburban middle class. But even today, you get in a conversation with them, uh, especially over COVID land, the high school theater production, and they're always trying to drive you into the system while you have to conform with the system. Uh, Those people are everywhere, folks. I'm sure you've run into them. Just take notice of it next time. And maybe they don't think about this. It's not um, sort of this uh, conscious decision. It's subconscious. All right. I think that's in a lot of them. It's just like we say with the evil power hungry folks. Do they get up every morning and they go mirror, mirror on the wall as they're staring into their mirror, smoking a cigarette out of their long cigarette holder with their creepy smoking jacket on their mirror, mirror on the wall. I'm Klaus Schwab, the evilest of them all. Do they really do that? Or do they think they're actually helping society? It makes them more dangerous if they actually believe they're helping society than if they know that they're actually evil, right? And then they go blend into society, and they actually do believe they're helping people, so they go out and preach this, like, universal basic income, welfare, all these things help people. When we know it's pretty simple, if you teach a man to fish, he'll feed himself for a lifetime. If you give him a fish, he's going to end up homeless behind a McDonald's dumpster. Right along with uh, the crackhead, transgender, non-binary guy that I know. All right, folks, we're moving into a section here called Final Note. 
and this is paragraph 231, it says, throughout this article, we made imprecise statements and statements that ought to have had all sorts of qualifications and reservations attached to them, and some of our statements may be flatly false. Lack of sufficient information, the need for brevity, made it impossible for us to formulate our assertions more precisely or add all the necessary qualifications. And of course, in a discussion of this kind, one must rely heavily on in, uh, intuitive judgment. And that can sometimes be wrong. So we don't claim that this article expresses more than a crude approximation to the truth. Uh, I should actually have that uh, statement at the end of every show because that's the way I feel. I mean, we use facts. We use articles, white papers, speeches, panel discussions. um, And then when I give my opinion... I try to be very clear about that. But at the end of the day, you can never be 100% precise because, one, the system is constantly moving. It's constantly evolving. It was back in 95. It's even more so now as technology reaches this point of exponential growth. Every day you wake up, the world will be completely different than it was yesterday. So as you're trying to battle this and lay out your Uh, explanation of exactly what the system is, where it came from, where it is today, where it's going, it's going to change. And sometimes you just have to use your gut. And people like myself that are trying to tell the story and navigate you through this crazy world, sometimes I have to fill in the blanks using common sense, critical thinking. And really, I do go with my gut a lot of times. And I'll say to you, uh, hey, I guarantee this uh, EEG stuff is going to come out in VR and AR headsets. Why? My gut tells me that. And then the next day I research it and I go, "Mm, there it was. There it is. It's right there, folks, coming out in VR and AR goggles. All right, let's continue. Under final note, paragraph 232, all the same, we are reasonably confident that the general outlines of the picture we have painted here are roughly correct. Just one possible weak point needs to be mentioned. We have portrayed leftism in its modern form as a phenomenon peculiar to our time and as a symptom of the disruption of the power process. But we might possibly be wrong about this. Over-socialized types who try to satisfy their drive for power by imposing their morality on everyone have certainly been around for a long time. But we think that the decisive role played by feelings of inferiority, low self-esteem, powerlessness, identification with victims by people who are not themselves victims is a uh, peculiarity of modern leftism. Identification with victims by people not themselves victims can be seen to some extent in 19th century leftism and early Christianity. But as far as we can make out, symptoms of low self-esteem, etc. were not nearly so evident in these movements or in any other movements as they are in modern leftism. But we are not in a position to assert confidently that no such movements have existed prior to modern leftism. This is a significant question to which historians ought to give their attention. Well, see, that's the thing about this author I found throughout this paper, folks, is that he's very honest about the assessments and the assertions 
that he's making. And so he's saying maybe historians ought to look into us. Well, historians aren't going to look into this because no one's interested in understanding where the ideas of mental illness and low self-esteem and such came from. But obviously, I see it everywhere. If you walk around, uh, you will see low self-esteem all over the place. And I do believe low self-esteem is a product of the technological system. I think once we connected the world through the phone and then eventually through the internet, uh, and then all of a sudden you have social media, you have reality shows, you have everyone trying to uh, live up to the idea of, uh, you know, trying to keep up with the, the Benjamins. And in this case, the Benjamins are the Kardashians. So it's keeping up with the Kardashians. And so not everyone could be worth billions of dollars. And then these people end up with low self-esteem if they don't become uh, the greatest basketball player in the world or the greatest social media star, the whatever. See, when you lived in a small local community that wasn't connected to the rest of the world, it really didn't matter. Uh, if you wanted to be a cowboy, you strive to be as good as that cowboy who was the cowboy in your community. And that person would generally take you under their wing, mentor you, and you'd become a fantastic cowboy. And unfortunately now, just with all of the technological uh, infrastructure that's been built, there's just too many things coming at you all the time, and you're trying to compete with stuff that may not even be real. It's orchestrated. It's propped up by the system. So you could never get to that point. It's like with me. I understand with the podcast, with the way that I'm doing it and staying independent, I will never be Joe Rogan. I will never be Glenn Beck. That will not be allowed because I am not a product of the system. I am outside of the system. I mean, I'm putting my show out through the technological infrastructure, but I am not owned by the system. I'm not paid by the system. I'm not controlled by the system. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And I think once you understand that you're living in some sort of a uh, creation, it's an illusion, then set your goals in a realistic fashion. Because if you believe you're going to wake up one day, uh, if you're in the gold business, and the next thing you know, you're going to be as popular as somebody on uh, one of the reality shows, Gold Rush or Pawn Stars or something, that's not going to happen, folks. Those people are products of the system. All right, I'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. I have to make some ad revenue because I am a product of the system. No, I'm not. My name is Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and we appreciate you dropping by. And if you want an explanation of what's going on with Apple, just go back to part one, and I'll explain that to you folks. I apologize, but it is out of our control we're working on some solutions to this issue and as soon as we have them we will let you know ladies and gentlemen we will let you know all right so we're at the end of the paper 
And the author now has uh, four pages of notes. And I'm going to go through these notes uh, rather quickly. Uh, but I want to put them in here because I'm trying to show respect to the author who put this together. And since we spent several episodes reviewing it, I'm going to put their notes in there. It says, uh, paragraph 19, so this is note one, paragraph 19, we are asserting that all or even most bullies and ruthless competitors suffer from feelings of inferiority. Um, number two, paragraph 25, during the Victorian period, many over-socialized people suffered from serious psychological problems as a result of repressing or trying to repress their sexual feelings. Freud apparently based his theories on people of this type. Today, the focus of socialization has shifted from sex to aggression. All right, number three, paragraph 27, not necessarily including specialists in engineering or the hard sciences. Now, folks, if you want to find this, you can just uh, Google Industrial Society in its Future PDF. And you'll find a few different versions of this out there. Uh, number four, paragraph 28. There are many individuals of the middle and upper classes who resist some of these values, but usually their resistance is more or less covert. Such resistance appears in the mass media only to a very limited extent. The main thrust of propaganda in our society is in favor of the stated values the main reason why these values have become so to speak the official values of our society is that they are useful to the industrial system so this is talking about propagandizing folks into the system violence is discouraged because it disrupts the functioning of the system racism is discouraged because ethnic conflicts also disrupt the system and discrimination wastes the talents of minority group members who could be useful to the system poverty must be cured because the underclass causes problems for the system and contact with the underclass lowers the morale of the other classes women are encouraged to have careers because their talents are useful to the system and more importantly because by having regular jobs women become better integrated into the system and tied directly to it rather than their uh, rather uh, than to their families um you know, that's a subject that I generally have shied away from on this show, but I've talked about in the past, uh, and and I would consider myself to be uh, an anti, you know, fake feminist movement. I, I, I'm not into the fact that a guy should come home and drink a beer and beat his wife, uh, but at the same time, I also believe that uh, taking care of the household and raising the children is actually the more important of the two jobs if you want to say one is more important than the other where the man goes to work whether he's going out in the field to hunt an elk and bring it back home um, or he's going to the coal mine to earn a paycheck and then be able to bring bacon home from the grocery store to feed the family the woman is uh, taking care of the household raising the children obviously the man has total respect for the woman or he would not uh, trust her with you know quote unquote his children right uh, i think when you actually back this uh dynamic up 
to before the industrial society and you look at it from the perspective i just mentioned where the guy goes out into the woods and he's hunting an elk to bring home the meat and feed his children and the woman is at home maybe gathering uh, potatoes and stuff around the house and actually protecting the kids while the man is out they were equals in the partnership complete and total equals and the system actually did not like that and so they create this fake feminist movement which then tells a woman she is looked down upon and she's not equal because she's not out in the workforce working in the coal mine alongside her husband. And if she does, she's only making 77 cents on the dollar and she needs to make a dollar compared to the guy who makes a dollar. Before you know, men and women are competing over stupid jobs that are within the system in order to make money and bring food back to the house and pay for the roof over the head. And so the system did not like that. Uh, As they said, they wanted to socialize women into the technological system uh, rather than being a mama bear, right, who would defend her children, who would say, whoa, 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 you're not going to have uh pedophiles teaching the kids in the school and dressing up as drag queens and coming in and doing puppet shows with no pants on we're not going to allow that to happen that's how the women would have been the uh, protectors of the kids but now that they've socialized a lot of women into that system the women now become defenders of the pedophiles doing the pantsless puppet shows uh, while they're dressed up in drag queen costumes looking like zombie monsters from you know the final apocalypse or something uh, rather than defending their children because being socialized into the system and caring about what other people think about you is actually more important now than raising the kids so we we can do whole entire show on this but ladies out there i respect you more than ever uh i watched uh, maggie labor for 57 hours like a champion and i think at the end of the day in this system if your husband is going off to work and you are actually staying at home and taking care of the house and raising the kids, in the end, you have the most important job. I mean, the, man, the man's job is important. He's got to make money to bring it home for food, but you're actually raising the kids, which once you have kids, that's really what life is all about. So it's something you could think about. Um, if you could set up in a homestead style community and you don't need to bring in uh money necessarily right if you figure out how to build a life that's free of the system uh would you not want to stay home and have your son, uh, husband go out and hunt the grizzly bear and you stay home or do you want to go out there and compete with him on who gets the biggest grizzly bear i mean why would you want to do that um you stay home and you educate the kids and teach them how to survive in the world to me that's super important incredibly important but in that lifestyle again i think the man and the woman the husband and the wife the mom and the dad are actually equal 100 percent equal it's the system that created the divide between men and women and that was intentional it goes on to say this helps to weaken family solidarity there you go the leaders of the system say they want to strengthen the family but they really mean is they want the family to serve as an effective tool for socializing children in accord with the needs of the system we argue in paragraphs 51 52 that the system cannot afford to let the family or other small-scale social groups be strong or autonomous and and that again that's a hundred percent true there so they want to break down the family the same thing as if mom and dad are working a full-time job each or 
even a full-time and a side hustle or two full-time jobs, then the kids are generally dropped off at a government daycare center or a daycare center where the people running it were brought up through the system. And so your children are being raised by the state, being propagandized by state material, not just, say, Drag Queen Story Hour, but propagandized by the entire structure of the system right you have to sit there and be a good little robot uh they teach them everything to be able to live inside that system now as i mentioned on the show before with willie g i have to teach him how to survive outside the system and inside the system because if he chooses to live in the system and i don't set him up with the tools to survive and hopefully thrive if he so chooses to thrive inside the system then i didn't do a very good job i can't raise him in the wild and then throw him into uh, silicon valley to go to work it just wouldn't be really fair so you have to find the balance but i am going to explain to him as soon as he can comprehend things what the system actually is i'm not going to give him any fiction folks i'm going to say this is the system do you want to live in that system Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that to think there's something wrong with that means that you're so socialized into the system that you can't tell your kid the truth about the system it's like refusing to tell them that there's no santa claus because you just want to fit into the the system Uh, just think about that uh this is why i decided to go through these um these uh notes here Uh, Note 5, paragraph 42, it may be argued that the majority of people don't want to make their own decisions, but want leaders to do their thinking for them. Okay, this is what I talk about all the time, that the majority of folks out there, I guess, want to be slaves. goes on to say there is an element of truth in this. People like to make their own decisions in small matters, but making decisions on difficult fundamental questions requires facing up to psychological conflict, and most people hate psychological conflict. Hence, they tend to lean on others in making difficult decisions. But it does not follow that they like to have decisions imposed on them without having an opportunity to influence those decisions. The majority of people are natural followers, not leaders, but they like to have direct personal access to their leaders they want to be able to influence the leaders and participate to some extent making even the difficult decisions at least to that degree they need autonomy so uh, i've read some uh, on this i've studied some of this that the majority of people are followers uh, not leaders unfortunately what happens as Maria Albanese, co-host of Thomas Paine Podcast on Fridays, calls them the anchors. And so the anchors, they are the sheep, and they want to be bossed around, like under COVID land, the high school theater production. The problem is, is that when the majority, or at least the perceived majority, or combine that with mass media propaganda, says there is a majority, right, they, they want everyone to be vaccinated, and the anchors go out and they get vaccinated, it drags the rest of us down. Now, we are not really leaders, right, because we're not trying to lead movements. We are trying to persuade people, but we have to start to be sheepdogs, all right, and look at the rest as sheep, and then the leaders will call them wolves, right? They're the wolves that are leading the sheep to slaughter. We have to be as cunning as the wolf, but we have to be a sheepdog that are trying to lead the sheep away from slaughter, Uh, In this case, it would be leading them towards technology and technocracy or leading them away back to wild nature. Let's look at note six, paragraph 44. 
Some of the symptoms listed are similar to those shown by caged animals. To explain how these symptoms arrive from deprivation with respect to the power process, common sense understanding of human nature tells one that lack of goals whose attainment requires efforts to uh, effort leads to boredom, and that boredom, long continued, often leads to eventually to depression. Failure to attain goals leads to frustration and lowering of self-esteem. Frustration leads to anger, anger to aggression, often in the form of spouse or child abuse. It has been shown that long-continued frustration commonly leads to depression, and that depression tends to cause guilt, sleep disorders, eating disorders, and bad feelings about oneself. Those are tending towards depression seek pleasure. As an antidote, hence insatiable uh, hedonism and excessive sex with uh, perversions as a means of getting new kicks, boredom too tends to cause excessive pleasure-seeking since lacking other goals, people often use pleasure as a goal. And this makes total sense, right? So the further they're moving you away from your DNA wiring, you are going to end up depressed when you can't succeed inside the system you're going to feel depressed and that's going to lead to low self-esteem it's going to lead to frustration it's going to lead to alcoholism it's going to lead to drug abuse it's going to lead to uh, excessive uh, pornography it's going to lead to gambling it's going to lead to uh, transgenderism folks where people are actually confused about their own genders uh they're so messed up our wiring has been moved so far away from what our dna is actually wired to do we end up with all these problems that we're seeing today they are creations of the system all right it's pressure from living inside a system that is not actually natural on top of it add all the pollutants uh the radio waves the 5g the polluted water soil air, food, and all that other stuff. goes on to say the foregoing is a simplification. Reality is more complex. And of course, deprivation with respect to the power process is not only cause of the symptoms described. By the way, when we mention depression, we do not necessarily mean depression that is severe enough to be treated by a psychiatrist, which Folks, you don't want to do that today because they're all corrupt and have been absorbed into the system, only there to treat your symptoms and drug you up or push you towards uh, genital mutilation. It goes on to say, often only mild forms of depression are involved, and when we speak of goals, we do not necessarily mean long-term goals, thought-out goals. For many or most people through much of human history, the goals of a hand-to-mouth existence, merely providing oneself and one's family of food from day to day, have been quite sufficient. All right, so that that's talking about, though, living in the wild and nature and going out and catching a, a rabbit to eat for dinner, and then tomorrow you've got to go out and catch a fish. Unfortunately, in the system that we live in, you have to constantly make money. Obviously, you see this right now with inflation. I'm going to do a special show using the uh, Facebook national groups for Instacart and gig workers. I'm going to do a show on this soon because it's really sad. I'm seeing uh, real people around the country be driven into third world status, running around doing anything to make a buck, just picking up groceries, cleaning an apartment, 
I mean, people literally competing. Uh, it's a race to the bottom inside technocracy. Like I saw somebody talk about they went and helped clean an apartment and stage it for a photo shoot off some gig app, and they were happy that they made $70 for the day. Even if you worked every day, that's $2,100. I mean, I mean, with the cost of rent, like you can't even afford rent. It's really sad, but it's proof that the technocratic system is destroying people right now ladies and gentlemen when i get back i'll continue to destroy the technocracy my job is to expose it and tear it down ladies and gentlemen i'll be back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold or listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. Let's continue here on note seven, paragraph 52. A partial exception may be made for a few passive inward-looking groups such as the Amish, which have little effect on the wider society. Apart from these, some genuine small-scale communities do exist in America today. For instance, youth gangs and cults. (laughs) everyone regarding them as dangerous and so they are because the members of these groups are loyal primarily to one another rather than to the system hence the system cannot control them or take the gypsies the gypsies commonly get away with theft and fraud because their loyalties are such that they can always get other gypsies to give testimony that proves quote their innocence end quote obviously The system would be in serious trouble if too many people belonged to such groups. Some of the early 20th century Chinese thinkers who were concerned with modernizing China recognized the necessity breaking down small-scale social groups such as the family. According to Sun Yat-sen, the Chinese people needed a new surge of patriotism which would lead to a transfer of loyalty from the family to the state. According to Li Huang, traditional attachments, particularly to the family, had to be abandoned if nationalism were to develop in China. Chester C. Tan, Chinese Political Thought in the 20th Century, page 125, page 297. First off, let me just tell you this. I've read a lot about this. Using the idea of nationalism to break apart the family. And I'm not going to get into this in depth right here, but if you look at the last so-called nationalist movement, which was Trump running for office in 2015 and 2016. How many families did you see get broken apart over Trump politics? All right, over Trump and Hillary. You saw a lot of families get broken up over that, didn't you? Over issues that now that I look back and I understand technocracy really had no effect or would have no effect on freeing people from the system whatsoever so you had this nationalist movement that split families apart they were already weakened and then i believe strategically three years later came covid land the high school theater production that further broke apart families 
People stop seeing each other because they wouldn't wear masks. They wouldn't get the jab or you're not a true believer. You believe in germ theory. I believe in terrain theory, whatever it may be. Just continuing to break apart families and break apart the small groups. And um, like I said, that's why I'm careful about what I post on Facebook, because some of my family members, although they are true believers, I get value out of them in other areas. Like, I don't want to distance myself from necessarily uh, an aunt or something, uh, because there are good things that I get from her, whether she wants to believe in the system or not. I don't have to interact with her on that level. All right, so that's uh, very important to look at folks the other thing is he's mentioning here uh these amish groups the gangs and such they're endangerment to the system because they're small groups loyal to each other basically they're these little sovereign nations and they commit crimes and fraud and such and they get away with it i mean they are outlaws right because they are outside of the system right the law and order that many of us said we respected well as I've said, you have to get to a point in your mind that you can't complain about tyranny if you're going to keep complying with tyranny. You have to start to think like an outlaw. I think that's very important as we move forward, but you don't have to call attention to yourself because you are the vast minority. If you form a half Amish style community, you don't need to go uh, publish that you're doing that all over the place and giving a big giant finger to the system. You just do it quietly, and the system may not bother you. They may not bother you. Be prepared to defend your community. Uh, but if the government wants to laser zap you, it's going to happen anyway, folks. goes on to say, uh, note 8, paragraph 56. Yes, we know that 19th century America had its problems and serious ones, but for the sake of brevity, we have to express ourselves in simplified terms. Just clarifying there. Uh, note 9, paragraph 61, we leave aside the, quote, underclass, end quote. We are speaking of the mainstream. Uh, note 10, paragraph 62, some social scientists, educators, uh, mental health professionals and the like are doing their best to push the social drives into group one by trying to see to it that everyone has a satisfactory social life. All right, I'm not going to comment on that one. Note 11, paragraphs 63 and 82. Is the drive for endless material acquisition really an artificial creation of the advertising and marketing industry? Certainly, there is no innate human drive for material acquisition. There have been many cultures in which people have desired little material wealth beyond what was necessary to satisfy their basic physical needs. Australian Aborigines, traditional Mexican peasant culture, some African cultures. On the other hand, there have also been many pre-industrial cultures in which material acquisition has played an important role. So we can't claim that today's acquisition-oriented culture is exclusively a creation of the advertising and marketing industry, but it is clear that the advertising and marketing industry has had an important part in creating that culture. The big corporations that spend millions on advertising wouldn't be spending that kind of money without solid proof that they were getting, back, uh, getting it back in increased sales. One member of FC, that's this group, met a sales manager a couple of years ago who was frank enough to tell him, quote, our job is to make people buy things they don't want and don't need, end quote. Now, that's 100% true. 
goes on to say he then described how an untrained novice could present people with the facts about a product and make no sales at all while a trained and experienced professional salesman would make lots of sales to the same people this shows that people are manipulated into buying things they don't really want and and you can't argue with that folks i mean uh, i i don't even necessarily know at this point that it's about companies you know gaining money i think a lot of things are done for more nefarious purposes but yes i mean advertising and marketing in your face 24 7 has driven us into this consumeristic materialistic society even go back to pre-world war ii uh we were not really uh this way we were not a debt-based society we didn't have credit cards we weren't buying beyond our means all right people may have strived to get a car or to get a television that was like a giant luxury of course those were things that drew you for drew drove you further into the system the car wasn't great to just drive around town it was great to drive you into the system and then we end up in the rat race with all the different smart devices and such today so what i think in my opinion is that advertising and marketing of this materialistic consumeristic society was for the purpose of driving people further into a larger technological system uh note 12 paragraph 64 the problem of purposelessness seems to have become less serious during the last 15 years or so because people now feel less secure physically and economically than they did earlier and the need for security provides them with a goal but purposefulness uh, purposelessness has been replaced by frustration over the difficulty of attaining security we emphasize the problem of purposelessness because the liberals and leftists would wish to solve our social problems by having society guarantee everyone's security but if that could be done it would only bring back the problem of purposelessness the real issue is not whether society provides well or poorly for people's security the trouble is that people are dependent on the system for their security rather than having it on their own hands this by the way is part of the reason why some people get worked up about the right to bear arms possession of a gun puts that aspect of their security in their own hands and i think that you can say is also uh, 100% accurate in his analysis of that particular subject there, folks. I mean, that, that makes total sense, right? So a lot of people want to rely on the state to provide their security. Just look at COVID land, the high school theater production. When other folks say, hey, I'm going off on my own. I'm going to use minerals. I'm going to use herbs. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to find these holistic doctors. I'm going to find doctors outside of the Rockefeller medical industrious complex because I want to put my health and my security in my own hands. I'm not relying on the system, but so many people just rely on the system and they're okay with that, or at least they believe they are. Note 13, paragraph 66, conservatives' efforts to decrease the amount of government regulation are of little benefit to the average man. For one thing, only a fraction of the regulations can be eliminated because most regulations are necessary. For another thing, most of the deregulation affects business rather than the average individual, so that its main effect is to take the power from the government and give it to the private corporations. What this means for the average man is that government interference in his life is replaced by interference from big corporations, which may be permitted, for example, to dump more chemicals that get into his water supply and give him cancer. The conservatives are just taking the average man for a sucker, exploiting his resentment of big government to promote the power of big business. And I think that um, 
cycle has actually already occurred and you know we're witnessing you know the concentration of power in big tech and the silicon valley companies but they are also extensions of the state so i think if we were talking to this author today this author would agree that big government and big business have formed together they're just one giant state at this point and they use the so-called private sector to continue to limit the freedoms of man especially since the private sector is what controls the majority of the technology that makes up the technocracy so he's right about this which is why i don't do it anymore conservatives trying to you know fight government to eliminate regulation as he said the regulations are necessary he may be talking about the point of the government doing things to protect nature but that's not the case anymore the regulations are necessary because they're necessary inside of the technological system that we find ourselves living in the government has to regulate technocracy so the government can have a hand in actually controlling the system and they don't lose power completely to the so-called private sector which is why they eventually just merged into one giant conglomerate uh, note 14 paragraph 73 when someone approves of the purpose for which propaganda is being used in a given case he generally calls it quote education end quote or applies to it in some similar euphemism but propaganda is propaganda regardless of the purpose for which it is used that uh, is true as well We'll eventually do shows on uh, propaganda versus education. Uh, it depends on how it's created, how it's used, its intention. Again, I, I don't know if most people uh, who even practice this realize it, uh, but we can talk a little bit about that. Most people know about the Smith-Munt Act, uh, the history of that going back to 1948, around the time that the CIA was formed, and they weren't supposed to be propagandizing us on U.S. soil. And then all of a sudden, under the Obama administration back in 2012, they repealed the Smith-Munt Act, and then the CIA was allowed to propagandize us on U.S. soil. But even with that, folks, I, I, I just don't believe in that that much because I know the government was propagandizing us the entire time. Uh, note 15, paragraph 83, we are not expressing approval or disapproval of the Panama invasion. We only use it to illustrate a point. All right, so the, again, the, the author is just clarifying some of the examples he gives, uh, which I like about this author. He's very forthcoming. Note 16, paragraph 95, when the American colonies were under British rule, there were fewer and less effective legal guarantees of freedom than there were after the American Constitution went into effect, yet there was more personal freedom in pre-industrial America, both before and after the War of Independence, than there was after the Industrial Revolution took hold in this country. Uh, I agree with that 100%. I mean, once we connected everything up through phone lines and eventually the Internet, you know, that was the end of freedom because the whole system is now connected. We quote from, quote, violence in America, historical and comparative perspectives, end quote, edited by Hugh Davis Graham and Ted Robert Gurr, chapter 12, by Roger Lane, pages 476 and 478. Quote, the progressive heightening of standards of priority and with it the increasing reliance on official law enforcement in 19th century America were common to the whole society. 
The change in social behavior is so long-term and so widespread as to suggest a connection with the most fundamental of contemporary social processes, that of industrial urbanization itself. Massachusetts in 1835 had a population of some 660 uh, 1,940 people, 81% rural, overwhelmingly pre-industrial and native-born. Its citizens were used to considerable personal freedom. Whether teamsters, farmers, or artisans, they were all accustomed to setting their own schedules, and the nature of their work made them physically independent of each other. Individual problems, sins, or even crimes were not generally cause for wider social concern. But the impact of the twin movements to the city and to the factory, both just gathering force in 1835, had a progressive effect on personal behavior throughout the 19th century and into the 20th. The factory demanded regulatory uh, uh, regularity of behavior, a life governed by obedience to the rhythms of clock and calendar, the demands of foreman and supervisor. In the city or town, the needs of living in closely packed neighborhoods inhibited many actions previously unobjectionable. Both blue and white collar employees in larger establishments were mutually dependent on their fellows as one man's work fit into another, so one man's business was no longer his own. The results of the new organization of life and work were apparent by 1900 when some 76% of the 2,805,346 inhabitants of Massachusetts were classified as urbanites. Much violent or irregular behavior which had been tolerable in a casual independent society was no longer acceptable in the more formalized cooperative atmosphere of the later period. The move to the cities had in short produced a more uh, tractable, more socialized, more civilized generation than its predecessors. And I think that's very, very important. That's why I wanted to share that with you. And it really does show you there, folks, when you move from uh, sort of 1835 into the 1900 area, what actually happened, how we move from this rural sort of rugged individualism into this idea of everyone works within the confines of the system under certain rules, uh, and each of us has a part in the collective. I'm going to explore that more in future episodes, because as we start to figure out if we wanted to separate from the system and build a half Amish style community, what that would look like. Uh, where we'd want to start from. And then eventually over 100, 200 years, it would grow into what we are today. And then our great, great grandkids could have a revolution and uh, convince everyone to destroy it and return to what we set up. But I think it's important that we explore history because it will show us, you know, where we went wrong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to me on pain.tv slash gold. 
All right, let's continue, folks. Uh, Note 17, paragraph 117. Apologists for the system are fond of citing cases in which elections have been decided by one or two votes, but such cases are rare. Well, look at what's what's happened since 1995. How many uh, elections are now down to the wire where it's decided by uh, 17 votes you know i mean they rig up this system they create the wwe wrestling they try to make it look like everyone is divided 50 50 when the majority actually don't even vote uh they've withdrawn from the system it says note 18 paragraph 119 quote today in technologically advanced lands men live very similar lives in spite of Uh, geographical, religious, and political differences. The daily lives of a Christian bank clerk in Chicago, a Buddhist bank clerk in Tokyo, and a communist bank clerk in Moscow are far more alike than the life of any one of them is like that of any single man who lived a thousand years ago. These similarities are the result of a common technology. And that's Al Sprague de Camp. Quote, the ancient engineers, end quote, Ballantine edition, page 17. The lives of the three Bankirks are not identical. Ideology does have some effect, but all technological societies, in order to survive, must evolve along approximately the same trajectory. Very, 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 very important to understand that, folks. And that will tell you why all these different countries uh, throughout the West all seem to have the same exact problems at the same exact time when each of them are different ages you know if you take our country 250 years old take some of the countries in uh europe that are a thousand years old we all seem to have the same problems well because we're all under the technocracy uh and they're all in this race for technology where it's not a race it's like silicon valley and you know unit 8200 they're, they're building all of it and everyone is just adopting it and then as far as the financial economic system goes it's all controlled out of the bank for international settlements through the 190 uh, central banks that are out there it's in every country so they're they're all they're all the same we're all connected it all has to work together um so when they when they talk about you know the u.s or china's falling behind in cbdc behind the others and they need this race it, it's not a race to beat each other it's a race to keep up to keep us all connected it's just building out the infrastructure and the systems um, note 19 paragraph 123 just think an irresponsible genetic engineer might create a lot of terrorists uh, note 20 paragraph 124 uh, and, and let me just take a note on that so just think an irresponsible genetic engineer might create a lot of terrorists that's referring back to when we were talking about genetic engineering it's not about a lot of terrorists uh, but he's just pointing this out. The author's pointing this out. But in the end, it's going to be a lot of uh, robots, you know, cyborg robots. Everyone will be the same. Just basically flesh-covered robots walking around serving the system. Uh, note 20, paragraph 124. For a further example of undesirable consequences of medical progress, suppose a, robo- a reliable cure for cancer is discovered. Even if the treatment is too expensive to be available to any but the elite, it will greatly reduce their incentive to stop the escape of carcinogens into the environment. So there you go. So if the elite develop immortality for themselves, whether brain uploading uh, or loading nanobots into their bodies, whatever that may be, if they develop that, then they can continue to pollute the earth in real ways, both intentional and unintentional, because uh, it'll only kill us, the mere mortal humans. 
um, it, they don't have to worry about it anymore. If they can run to their underground bunkers and live in an underground city, they can just nuke the planet and they'll be safe. Uh, I have no illusions they want to keep us around, so whatever they're doing, I do believe they do it intentionally. Note 21, paragraph 128. Since many people may find paradoxical the notion that a large number of good things can add up to a bad thing, we illustrate with an analogy. Suppose Mr. A is playing chess with Mr. B. Mr. C, a grandmaster, is looking over Mr. A's shoulder. Mr. A, of course, wants to win his game, so if Mr. C points out a good move for him to make, he is doing Mr. A a favor. But suppose now that Mr. C tells Mr. A how to make all of his moves. In each particular instance, he does Mr. A a favor by showing him his best move. But by making all of his moves for him, he spoils his game, since there is not a point, uh, no point in Mr. A's playing the game at all if someone else makes all his moves. The situation of modern man is analogous to that of Mr. A. The system makes an individual's life easier for him in innumerable ways, but in doing so, it deprives him of control over his own fate. I talk about that all the time, folks. You are trading perceived convenience, you know, Mr. C telling you how to play your game, uh, for your freedom, your liberty, and your human autonomy. And just think of it in a recent example of what we talked about here with the EEG earbuds. You're going to put those inside your head, and Mr. C, in this case would be artificial intelligence, is going to read your brain and tell you what to do. So it's going to control your entire life. You lose all autonomy. Uh, note 22, paragraph 137. Here we are considering only the conflict of values within the mainstream. For the sake of simplicity, we leave out of the picture outsider values like the idea that wild nature is more important than human economic welfare. All right, well, you left me out of the equation then. It's okay. Note 23, paragraph 137, self-interest is not necessarily material self-interest. It can consist in fulfillment of some psychological need, for example, by promoting one's own ideology or religion. Uh, note 24, paragraph 139, a qualification, it is in the interest of the system to permit a certain prescribed degree of freedom in some areas. For example, economic freedom with suitable limitations and restraints has proved effective in promoting economic growth. But only planned uh, circumscribed limited freedom is in the interest of the system. The individual must always be kept on a leash, even if the leash is sometimes long. See paragraphs 94 and 97. That is 100% true. And as you can see, even with economic freedom, they're going to tighten the leash with central bank digital currency because it's programmable and they're going to stop you from buying where they don't want you to buy, when they want you to buy, where they want you to buy, and from whom they want you to buy. So this proves the point, CBDC proves the point, that the author explaining what was going to happen back in 95, look at it 28 years later where it's going, the system continues to grow and the leash continues to get shorter. Note 25, paragraph 143, we don't mean to suggest that the efficiency or the potential for survival of a society has always been inversely proportional to the amount of pressure or discomfort to which the society subjects people. 
That certainly is not the case. There is good reason to believe that many primitive societies subjected people to less pressure than European society did, but European society proved far more efficient than any primitive society and always won out in conflicts with such societies because of the advantages conferred by technology. All right, folks, that's uh, self-explanatory. Let's look at uh, note 26, paragraph 147. If you think that more effective law enforcement is unequivocally good because it suppresses crime, then remember that crime is defined by the system is not necessarily what you would call crime. This is why I told you, do not comply with tyranny. Today, smoking marijuana is a crime. And in some places in the U.S., so is possession of an unregistered handgun. Tomorrow, possession of any firearm, registered or not, may be made a crime. And the same thing may happen with disapproved methods of child rearing, such as spanking. In some countries, expression of dissident political uh, opinions is a crime. And there is no certainty that this will never happened in the United States. Well, pretty much all of it's happened since no constitution or political system lasts forever. If a society needs a large, powerful law enforcement establishment, then there is something gravely wrong with that society. It must be subjecting people to severe pressures if so many refuse to follow the rules or follow them only because forced. Many societies in the past have gotten by with little or no formal law enforcement. 100% true, folks. The system makes up the rules of the game. And you'll find the day when you don't agree with certain rules of the game, and you're going to be pressured into the rules of the game. So if all of a sudden they got away with mandating the COVID vaccine for everyone in the country, all of a sudden now, are you going to chant with Donald Trump, law and order, law and order, law and order? No, I don't agree with that law. Well, folks, I don't agree with the majority of the laws. Be an outlaw. Live outside the system. Just don't broadcast it. Note 27, paragraph 151. To be sure, past societies have had means of influencing human behavior, but these have been primitive and of low effectiveness compared with the technological means that are now being developed. All right? driving us further into the prison planet. Note 28, paragraph 152. However, some psychologists have publicly expressed opinions indicating their contempt for human freedom. And the mathematician Claude Shannon was quoted in Omni August 1987 as saying, quote, I visualize a time when we will be uh, to robots what dogs are to humans, and I'm rooting for the machines, end quote. Well, there you go, and we've heard Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher to the World Economic Forum and the Fourth Industrial Revolution, uh, say this as well. He said he is not afraid of the robots uh, disobeying the humans, but the humans disobeying the robots. Uh, Note 29, paragraph 154. This is no science fiction. After writing paragraph 154, we came across an article in Scientific American according to which scientists are actively developing techniques for identifying possible future criminals and for treating them by a combination of biological and psychological means. Some scientists advocate compulsory application of the treatment, which may be available in the near future. 
C, Seeking the Criminal Element by W. Waite Gibbs, Scientific American, March 1995. Maybe you think this is okay because the treatment would be applied to those who might become violent criminals, but of course it won't stop there. Next, the treatment will be applied to those who might become drunk drivers. They endanger human life too. Then perhaps to peel, uh, people who spank their children. Then to environmentalists who sabotage logging equipment. Eventually to anyone whose behavior is inconvenient for the system. And uh, I actually talked about this when we went over paragraph 154. Uh, they make the rules, they make the laws. Then all of a sudden they want to genetically modify folks to fit into the system. And so they turn you into a docile cyborg. Uh, Note 30, paragraph 184, a further advantage of nature as a counter ideal to technology is that in many people, nature inspires the kind of uh, reverence that is associated with religion. So that nature could perhaps be idealized on a religious basis. It is true that in many societies, religion has served as a support and justification for the established order, but it is also true that religion has often provided a basis for rebellion. Thus, it may be useful to introduce a religious element into the rebellion against technology, the more so because Western society today has no strong religious foundation. Religion nowadays either is used as cheap and transparent support for narrow, short-sighted selfishness, some conservatives use it in this way, or even is cynically exploited to make easy money by many evangelicals, or has degenerated into crude irrationalism, fundamentalist Protestant sects, cults, or is simply stagnant, Catholicism, mainline Protestantism. The nearest thing to a strong, widespread, dynamic religion that the West has seen in recent times has been the quasi-religion of leftism. But leftism today is fragmented and has no clear, uh, unified, inspiring goal. Thus, there is a religious vacuum in our society that could perhaps be filled by a religion focused on nature in opposition to technology. And I, I would say technology, technocracy, is actually the new religion now, folks. Uh, People don't realize it. When I say it's a culture, it's become like a cult, like it is the religion now. goes on to say, but it would be a mistake to try to concord artificially a religion to fill this role. Such an invented religion would probably be a failure. Take the Gaia religion, for example. Do its adherents really believe in it, or are they just play-acting? If they are just play-acting, the religion will be a flop in the end. It is probably best not to try to introduce religion into the conflict of nature versus technology unless you really believe in that religion yourself and find it arouses a deep, strong, genuine response in many other people. Now, I, I will say this, folks. Uh, if you take science, you know, trust the science as the religion, that could have been a test run because obviously you see that starting to crumble just as he brings up Gaia here as a religious example that crumbled. So science as the religion may be crumbling. Technocracy I see as the religion because everyone's solution to the problems caused by technology is another technology. That's why I think you can introduce the idea of wild nature as a religious concept because it is the answer to the problems 
caused by technology. So you say technology caused this problem. How about going back to nature? And the idea of nature, the real science, go take a hike and you'll see it in action. Go watch a woman who's pregnant and giving birth. You'll see it in action. That's the magic of life. I think the magic of life is the religion. This idea that there is a God, uh, a mother nature, a natural life. You don't have to tie that in, I don't believe, to Christianity uh, because that is going to turn certain people off. But to move people towards this idea of a God, a creator, a mother nature, it's undeniable. It's all around us. And you will either have to accept that it's real and out there or you're going to accept that someone like Dr. Fauci owns it and controls it because he is science. That's ridiculous, and I think most people you can convince to move away from men taking control of it. I'm not sitting here and telling you I am in charge of nature. I'm telling you that nature is so gorgeous and beautiful, and it works in harmony when technology is taken out of the equation. Note 31, paragraph 189, assuming that such a final push occurs, conceivably the industrial system might be eliminated in a somewhat gradual or piecemeal fashion. See paragraphs 4 167 and note 32. All right, we've talked about that before. Uh, note 32, paragraph 193, it is even conceivable remotely that the revolution might consist only of a massive change of attitudes toward technology, resulting in a relatively gradual and painless disintegration of the industrial system. But if this happens, we'll be very lucky. It's far more probably uh, probable that the transition to a non-technological society will be very difficult and full of conflicts and disasters. Well, this is why I think if people start to withdraw themselves, it won't be disastrous because it's not just thrown upon you. It's a calculated decision and a game plan that you created. Uh, note 33, paragraph 195, the economic and technological structure of a society are far more important than its political structure in determining the way the average man lives. See paragraphs 95, 119, and note 16 and 18. Note 34, paragraph 215, this statement refers to our particular brand of anarchism. A wide variety of social attitudes have been called anarchist, and it may be that Many who consider themselves anarchists would not accept our statement of paragraph 215. It should be noted, by the way, that there is a nonviolent anarchist movement whose members probably would not accept FC, that's his group, as anarchist, and certainly would not approve of FC's violent methods. Um, note 35, paragraph 219, many leftists are motivated also by hostility, but the hostility probably results in part from a frustrated need for power. And finally, note 36, paragraph 229, it is important to understand that we mean someone who sympathizes with these movements as they exist today in our society. One who believes that women, homosexuals, etc., should have equal rights is not necessarily a leftist. The feminist, gay rights, etc. movements that exist in our society have the particular ideological tone that characterizes leftism. And if one believes, for example, that women should have equal rights, it does not necessarily follow that one must sympathize with the feminist movement as it exists today. And so I would define uh, equal rights differently than that of the so-called leftist feminist movement. Uh, again, I've talked about this earlier. I don't think that equal means having to go down in the coal mine and compete with your husband. I don't think that's equal. I think the roles were equal when the man was hunting 
and the woman was raising the children. I would just take out the part where the man comes home and beats the wife. I think we can agree to that. I think we can get to that place, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that's a lot to absorb, folks. We are done with it. So tomorrow I will decide what direction we're going to go in, either an expose on this author or I'm going to show you cycle of civilizations before we uh, get back into the uh, technological stuff. Lots to cover there as well. We have some guests lined up. It's going to get very exciting. So as always, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for stopping by. Please leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts along with a comment. Think about joining pain.tv slash gold for less than $9 a month. And uh, think about leaving us a donation over at donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold Show. This way I can afford to buy food. I don't have to take off from the show and go out into the wilderness and hunt a grizzly bear tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, I will see you for episode 142 tomorrow. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold.